0: Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Harmer on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight-up Screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call one 858
1: 858
0: Really privileged time now uh, to be able to speak to the incredible Nick Willis, whose Olympics career came to an end last night, New Zealand time, uh, 2008 silver medalist, 2016 bronze medalist, uh, looking to qualify at the tender-old age of 38 for his fourth 1,500-metre final uh, in a row. Wasn't to be, I wasn't able to get uh, the job done on this occasion. Uh, we're so privileged and so happy that he's put his alarm clock especially on for us. Uh, good morning to you, Nick Willis. Um, how are you feeling this morning?
1: Hey, Ian. Hey, it's a privilege just to be chatting with you, one of my sporting heroes as well. So thanks for having me. And no alarm ended up being needed. It's very hard to sleep after <laughs> you finish racing. I'm still wired up, you know. So, no, it's, it's good to be on the call.
0: Actually, I read something, Nick, where you went and had a game of touch rugby afterwards just to blow out any cobwebs. I'm sure there weren't any there, but that was the way you wound down after all this?
1: We did. Um, Some people like to go out to the pubs afterwards to celebrate, but for me it's doing all of the sporting activities that I've had to put on hold when I'm sort of tunnel vision with my running. So being able to play touch and other sports, um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Santana and I took on six Irish people and then three Cook Islanders joined in in the game as well in the, in the early hours of the morning down in the village. It was a lot of fun.
0: Oh, man, I wish someone had, had uh, been lucky enough to run a camera over that. I bet it would have been a, a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, look, it all began for you uh, way back at Hutt Valley High School, man, uh, Hutt Valley boy, so uh, take us back to those days when you got a passion, a, a love for what you've done so well
1: yeah no it's quite funny because like some of my classmates and peers they all would give me a lot of ribbing you know forrest gump had just come out and everyone say, oh run forrest run but those same guys became my biggest fans and they followed my racing around the world and would show up at the beijing olympic games with the high rugby jerseys on and travel all around the globe to watch me So unfortunately they weren't able to be here today But um, no, um, my roots in the Hutt Valley, it's a proud sporting area and I I played rugby and did the local athletics club and golf and table tennis and all the sports. So it was a really good foundation as a youth um, to be able to leapfrog into a a serious one focus of sport um, later on in my life. Well,
0: Nick, you won the 800 and 1500 double at the New Zealand Secondary Schools Champs back in 2000 uh, and you also... Became the fastest New Zealand secondary school student over a mile uh, with a time of uh, way back then even four minutes, 1.33. So I guess uh, that pretty much with that success, that determined your early pathway?
1: Yeah, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life when I was just finishing sixth form. I think that's year 12 in modern day speak. Um, But suddenly my final year in high school, I had my growth spurt and things started clicking and... um, Running definitely started to be a realistic pathway. I I was a kid from the heart, but I really wanted to experience and see the world, and running seemed to be the best way to do that. And so once I ran those times, and um, a lot of doors opened for me, and I was able to get a scholarship to pretty much any university in America that I wanted to choose from, and I wanted to be coached by the great Ron Warhurst, who had um, had success with. A Canadian athlete, Kevin Sullivan, who was fifth at the 2000 Olympics, and that was my final year in high school. So I said, if I can come over there, that would be fantastic. And ever since then, it's been a great relationship. He's a grandfather figure to my kids now and a best friend to my wife. And um, we've been on this journey together the last 19 years, and it was really special to have him there in in the stadium and at the warm-down track last night after the race, Ron Warhurst.
0: Oh, that is incredible. It's it's great that... um... Even through um, all the, uh, the rigmarole that we're going through with COVID in the world, you were able to achieve that at least and have that, that special person in your life with you. Nick, uh, when, you were, when you were setting your, your targets on you know, the likes of middle distance running and the, the 1500 metres, uh, you had a legacy to fill in of Lovelock and Snell and Walker. Um, you, know, you must be proud that you've done that and done that more, really, uh, because they were some big running shoes literally to fill.
1: Yeah, and I feel actually quite privileged that I grew up just before the internet really started taking off. And when I started getting hooked on this running culture, there wasn't anything available online. So I went down to the local library, and the only things in the running section were the autobiographies of our great runners. And so I I just poured through and through No Bugles, No Drums, of Peter Snell, championed by John Walker and Kiwis Can Fly, the... um, Agnew book and it was just fantastic like getting the inside scoop of these guys So I really felt like they were my friends at that stage. It was different than just hearing or read or watching them Um, and so that really set the tone and I I got an insight of their mentality and especially Snell and Walker like they had ice in their veins that they felt like that they belonged and that they were the intimidating force the alpha in the call room before the race and I, I really try to embrace
0: and take on that um, persona when, when it was my time to finally have that opportunity as well. And look, it's, it's really, I guess you're going to have the opportunity now to finally, uh, to reflect on, on what a time in your life it's been. Uh, could you take us uh, back to those, those medal winning performances and, and just reflect a wee bit on your silver and, and your bronze?
1: Yeah, it's, it's all been a, a whirlwind the last 15 years. It's hard to sometimes step back and think about it. But going back to Beijing, I was—I think I was ranked 13th going into the game. So sure, I had a chance of making the final and maybe even like sneaking into the top five. But did I really believe a medal chance is possible? I hoped, but like deep down, I probably didn't really believe it. And I remember the last lap as I slowly picked off one runner at a time, one runner at a time, and then coming into the home straight, I was in sixth place, and then guys were fading, and I suddenly find myself in third place with 50 meters to go. I was like, you're kidding me? I'm in third place in the Olympic freaking games. Like, I, I just couldn't believe it. But then I had to hold off the, the fast-charging Frenchman, Medibala and held him off and um, dove to the finish line, and that was like the agonizing minute. It felt like an eternity until the results came up on the scoreboard, and that really was just the unbelievable moment to think this kid from lower heart had had the opportunity to do what I couldn't have even dreamed of, but I was such a fan of the sport that I got to be the the protagonist in, in the story that I'd already always watched as a fan, you know, it was, it was a very, very special experience. And then in Rio eight years later, obviously I had the disappointment in London where I was one of the favorites and I, quote unquote failed in London. I was only ninth and faded in the end. But um Rio was a, a real redemption experience and I'd um overcome a lot of different setbacks and it was sort of just a, a, a very satisfying in a different way, um, to be able to do it eight years after the fact and in a very different type of race. It was much slower. It was for the youth, right? It was a slow race with the big sprinters, but here I was a thirty three year old able to um, hold my own on a, a fast last 400 meter race and so it was nice to know that i was able to win medals at both ends of the spectrum it sort of really it solidified that i wasn't just a one-trick pony or a one-hit wonder and um, it really gave me sort of an opportunity to be satisfied with my career no matter what happens outside of that and, um, yeah both very special experiences and things that i'm, I'm will be ever grateful for
0: now, can you just take us back to, to last night uh, and the, you know, the four or five, maybe six minutes involved and in the, the last second preparation uh, and the, the, the quick aftermath afterwards. What, what was going through your mind before the race and, and your immediate thoughts afterwards?
1: Yeah, honestly, I had no nerves whatsoever. The whole time I've been here in the village, It's it's been very calm. I've been excitable as well, hanging out with young Sam Tanner. It's, it's been a lot of fun sort of living vicariously through his first experience and reminding myself of Athens. But um, mostly what was going through my head was like my eight-year-old son Lachlan was watching back home on TV. He couldn't be here. And I was like, I want him to be proud of me. Like all I thought about is my, my boys, my three-year-old Darcy was also watching. He's not quite old enough to understand now, but he'll watch it in the future on YouTube on them to be proud of their daddy, you know, that was the most important thing to me, and so I was thinking about them um, the whole time on the start line, as the camera went past, I said hi to them as I'd promised, and I knew that they'd be saying hi back, and no matter what happened, I knew it was going to be tough, but I was going to run a race that they would be proud of their daddy, that's really what I was focused on. As I crossed the finish line, I knew I was outside of the top seven, so there wasn't any chance of me advancing, but then I saw at the time, I was like, wow, I never thought that was possible anymore, I'd sort of allowed the time to to get the best of me mentally probably the last couple of years and my coach had always said i was capable of a 334 this season i thought he was crazy but turns out he was a genius and he was right all along and probably was capable of that sort of time in the perfect type of race um so yeah definitely left with a lot of pride a um, little bit of sadness not to be able to be in in the final race you come here to to give yourself a chance of getting on the podium right but um ultimately very proud of how I performed and to run my best race in four years um, shows that I, I seem to need the Olympics to give me that extra accountability to do all of the little things, which sometimes I can be a bit lazy with. Um, so it definitely helped me up my game.
0: Nick Willis is with us, folks. Uh, it's, this is great. It's a, this is a great story. Uh, and, you, you know, one of the things I admire most about you, Nick, is that 95% of athletes that perform around the world, sure, they'd have a lot of travel in normal situations without virus to overseas meets, etc., like that. They do so much of their preparation at home uh, and they do it with New Zealand people around and, and, you know, the environment uh, that is is the one that they are actually performing for. You don't. And, you know, you've made the sacrifice. uh, How hard has it been? What has it made you to pull on that black vest all the time and be so New Zealand about the whole deal when you're surrounded by most things that aren't New Zealand?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm fortunate that I'm naturally extroverted anyway, so I I make friends and community quite easily whenever I've travelled. And um, when I went to university in America, university life is really, really team environment. Like you really embrace the identity of your university, and so the University of Michigan has become a second home to me. Um, I still really embrace my my roots in New Zealand and have been able to come home for two or three months every American winter and spend time with my family in Wellington, and then we we have roots down in, um, in Wanaka, down there as well. We own a, a section of land down in Hawera, yeah. and it's really important to us, but I have a, a really strong community of, of people that are near and dear to me in America as well, and my wife's from Michigan, her extended family, and people in the church, and people in the university, and, and my coach, Ron, has become a family um, as well, so... Basically, I get the best of both clubs. I can chase the sun and always have um, a sense of being home. And my wife and my kids, we've always traveled together. I'm not away from them, when, except for here now because of COVID. They can't be here at the Olympics. But for the last mm-hmm. 15 years, we've been doing this as a family business. So it hasn't felt like I've been living out of a suitcase. Like home is where our family is. And so it's Airbnb or hotels or apartments around the world throughout this time. And I think that's a huge part of the reason why I've been able to do this for so long without getting burnt out.
0: Nick, what now? What now for Nick Willis and family Willis?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I'm, I'm very fortunate that I've already started my sort of professional career, so to speak. I, I work for a, a running brand called Tracksmith and I'm in the marketing team there. So I don't have to worry about like what next in terms of paying the bills. Um, But from a running standpoint, obviously my body feels amazing and I'm quote unquote improving still. I sort of think of my post Rio life as as a a reset button now that I'm um, a masters athlete over 35. So yeah, I've I've committed to my training partners that I'm going to train for the next three years to help them with their preparations for the next Olympics. And I don't know what my desire is in terms of racing, but I'm really enjoying training. We have a wonderful environment down at the track. My kids just adore all of the guys that I train with every day, so I want to go down to the tracks so that are around all these, these great people who are, um, are like uncle figures or big brothers to them. So, yeah, we just have a, a really good community of, of runners and where we train and hopefully it will give me opportunities to still travel um, on other people's dime to New Zealand and to Europe each summer. So, yeah, I'll keep doing it. I, I'm not retiring per se, but I, I don't have any specific goals in mind right, as we as we speak.
0: Here's one you might have, 19 years in a row, this is a world record, 19 years in a row you have run a sub four minute mile. Next year's not that far away mate.
1: It would be a shame to stop at a, um, a prime number wouldn't it, you got to go up to 20 so yeah, we've, we've got some, some plans and work um, to, to make a fun attempt at that and, and build it up so that, that should be a lot of fun. Hopefully my body holds out. But I'm going to start taking a few more risks. I've, my friends and I have signed up for a, a rec basketball league. That's something I haven't been able to do for the last 20 years. Um, that was a, a big um, sport of mine when I was a kid. And I'll try and bring out my Peter Poco back on the on the court. And so hopefully I don't <laughs> twist an ACL or anything. But, yeah, I'm going to have a lot of fun.
0: And uh, just, just finally, before we let you go, and it's been fantastic talking to you, I've got to say. Uh, the black singlet, how much will you miss it, mate?
1: Uh, I'm definitely going to keep the ones that they've given me here for myself. A lot of the other games that I've been um, signing and giving off for auctions and different things like that, or trading with other um, countries who would like the singlets. But, um, yeah, the, the, this one's going to probably mean more than even the ones that I framed when I won the medals um, it's going to be likely my last Olympic, my last Olympic vest, and so yeah, I'm going to cherish it as much as I can. Not, but it's not the physical things; it's it's really the experiences that I'm going to cherish most. What was most special about these games for me, above all of these things, was spending this whole week with Sam Tanner the time in our training camp in Hawaii beforehand. He's the future of middle distance running in New Zealand, and um, it's a real privilege that our careers have crossed paths at the beginning of his, at the end of mine. That, so the bridges that the gap that I never got to experience um, sort of being under the tutelage of a Rod Dixon or a John Walker. Um, so it's, it's been really fun spending this whole week with him and um, I really look forward to supporting him in the future as well.
0: Nick Willis uh, on the subject of being a privilege uh, and an honour and fun actually.